broaden our minds. Lawrence. From the Ancient One Studio, this is the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. Welcome to the Cube. <laughs> well, hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 129 of the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. I'm your host, Dan. I'm Brendan. Brendan, we are doing something here we've never done before, buddy. We've talked about this before, but mm. you know, we've always said, yeah, we can do it. It'll just be a long show. Yeah, we can do it. It'll just be a long show. I suggested, yeah, we can do it. It can just be a long show. And then, you know, at first you said, yeah, I, I think we can. And the next day you sent me a text and an email and, and you said, no, Brendan, I don't think we can do a five-hour show. <laughs> I looked at your math. I said, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I agree. We can't do a five-hour show. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about Cities of Sigmar. We're going to be focusing on the human side. Episode 130 is going to be the elves and the dwarves and the tie-together things, so your grand mm-hmm. strategies and battle tactics, you know, closing out the idea of the army. About half of the book is human, so, you know, it warrants you know, kind of its own focus for a show. It's pretty clearly the major writing focus of what the battle tome is. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of the reasons that we're going to be talking about it first. It's also where all the new units are, and so the thing that you're actually probably most interested in. <laughs> right. The way that we're going to cover it's going to be, you know, I feel like we say this about every battle tome, a little bit different. <laughs> but in this case, we've pulled out the cities that are going to be related to humans. We're going to be focusing on the human keyword, and we're going to be going through the human war scrolls. It's not going to be a complete review of the Battle Tome. You're going to get a snapshot of it to get the full picture. You're going to have to listen to episode 130, mm-hmm. and then that will encompass our full thoughts on the full Cities of Sigmar. Yes, perfect. That is the story. Uncomplicated show, by the way. Yeah, really. <laughs> it's going to be a long one. The usual stuff on either end, you know, the bookends of the show, and we're expecting this one to probably be posted sometime around mid-September, and then I think we're going to record, because we're both pretty busy with other stuff, and probably we'll record the next episode first week in October. And with that, it is time to whisper from the warp. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. All right, man. Hobby City. For the first time in a long time, I have a coherent hobby story to tell. (laughs) I had obviously won the big Seraphon box at Spring Rubicon. Yeah. It was one of the door prizes. So cool. You know, like I had gotten a bunch of Seraphon models from Mini Stomp like a year ago on just a great deal and went to a hobby shop and I saw some really cool color shift paints that I hadn't, you know, like I've seen color shift paints before, but they had like the full section of colors. And there was a couple that I picked out. I was like, okay, I think some of these would be really cool. And I was, you know, driving home and thinking about, you know, I know I want these colors, but like what would be a good, you know, thing to test this on, right? Mm. What would be a good army to, you know, really nail down this application? And one of the ones I picked up was a brown gold color shift. And I was like, I typically don't paint armies in the off-the-box scheme that Games Workshop does. Mm -hmm. Not my style. But the classic blue Saurus Warriors are, in my mind, Warhammer Fantasy Battles. I picture my Chaos Warriors, right? 
in that classic black and gold trim, mm-hmm. which is exactly the same way that My Slaves to Darkness are painted. Seraphon in their classic blue and gold. Yes. With, you know, the big gribblies are different colors and the skinks are a lighter blue. Your high elves, you know, in that real silvery and blue, mm-hmm. you know, complement with touches of gold. And then the white and red and gold and black and, you know, kind of those multicolor regiments of the Empire. And when I think of Warhammer Fantasy Battles, those are like the four things that distinctly jump out to me. Okay. So I put together a unit of Saurus Warriors. I painted up a unit of them and I went, wow, this is so cool. So I've been kicking around lists that involve like a Saurus Warriors Death Star kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. There's a lot of buffs you can put into that unit. I think Saurus are primed for a points reduction in the fall battle scroll. Which is coming soon. Yep. I picked up a bunch of Agridons relatively inexpensively from, you know, Dias Cast Discord. And you've been talking about them for a while. Ever since they came out, you've really been been pretty high on them. I feel that when their points came out originally, they were a little too high. I think they're still a touch too high for what they are. Mm. But... The models are awesome. Yes. They do they do a really cool thing. There's some really cool buffs you can put into them. So I've gotten painted 10 Saurus Warriors, 3 Croxagors, and if we weren't doing a book review, I'd probably have <laughs> 3 Agridons done. I've got a Slan 25% painted, and I've got a Carnosaur that's drying its primer right now. So uh, I'm telling you, uh, the blue, when you sent me those pictures, it's just so vivid. I love that because usually yeah. there's other stuff that distracts you on the model from that color, but that blue is so strong that you can't see the rest of it. To me, that's really cool. I yeah, love that. Yeah, thank you. I'm super proud of like the coloring that done. I haven't. There's one of your agridons, yeah. Yeah, so cool. I know podcasting is a visual medium. I'm just so super thrilled with the progress I've made on those. You know, I'll probably be picking your brain and a couple other people's brain on what to do with basing. Mm-hmm. Certainly one sure. of my, as I've talked about on the podcast, one of my weaker areas in terms of hobbying. But in terms of painting, this is up there in terms of quality. And I'm so excited for you that you're so excited. I think that's just so cool. To me, it's been a while. You've been okay or you've enjoyed painting, but I haven't heard that much excitement in your voice for a long time. And so that's really neat. The lightning bolt hit me and I was like, I got to follow it for as long as it's going to let me follow it, right? You know, if I get a 2,000 point army out of it, awesome. If I get, you know, 1,000 points cool if i get every seraphon model i own painted even better right sure just looking on my shelf at the couple of things i have painted like there's just so many strong like obviously they're the new models but those old warhammer fantasy battle Mm. memories seeing some of these units you know on the table ranked up and me going oh i don't know what i'm gonna do about that (laughs) (laughs) that's wonderful man that is such great news yeah keep sending those pictures man i'm really enjoying those very very cool i have been up to very little I primed my 15 corn dogs. I decided I want to do kind of a, I don't know if it's really lava, but it's kind of, you know, so the base color is going to be black on them. And then when I start layering in the dry brushing, I want to do like a kind of a muted red, orange, a red, orange mix kind of a color. There's one of the Citadel dry paints and I can't remember which one it is, but it's kind of like that. I want to do that. And then I want to do some orange to some spots on it just make them look different but make them still look you know hellish in a way so that's the plan with them and then i'm going to use that i think it's astragoth red or something like that that's the color that pops into my head okay Um, so i'm going to do that on my 
other things like my blood letters and stuff because those are painted this like abomination red so it's not like a, a traditional red it's almost like a a blackish red for a base okay. and then i think this will really make it pop nicely with all the other details that you can put on and do so but other than the corn dogs i've just been busy doing a lot of things and really haven't honestly had the time to <laughs> Starfield and uh, <laughs> <laughs> haven't had the time to get to other stuff. So that's my hobby. Pre-orders, well, Tyranids are kind of sucking the air out of the room on pre-orders, man. <laughs> they are here. They're coming. I'm half tempted to buy the Tome just because I'm so interested in having had a Nid army for so long when I did play 40k. I'm really, really interested to see what's in there and what they do. And so I may just do that for whatever. But that's really the pre-orders. In terms of drops, we talked about uh, the Seraphon and the Space Marine Vanguard boxes. Those have dropped. There's a few kill teams that have dropped. And as discussed before, there's a bunch of stuff that's out of stock that we're not going to talk about. Yeah, that Seraphon Vanguard box, you know, obviously, because now you know I'm looking at lots of Seraphon <laughs> things. Yeah, that's a really good start to an army. I really like when they do Vanguard boxes that you can really conceivably get two or more purchases out of. Okay, you know, without feeling like you're getting some, we'll call it extraneous units. Yeah, of course. Like you could conceivably buy three of those and have a good reason for it right you know you build one carnosaur as a scar veteran one as an old blood and one as a troglodon and you know you've got nine croxagore and or warspond hopefully okay. they get their points dropped because they're still not very good but you get nine of them right you know six and three or you know nine of one and none of the other but and you get 30 saurus warriors like that's well, that's what you're looking for you know, that is a in and of itself a like really an army Mm -hmm. It's not quite, but, you know, 30 Saurus is 540 points. Nine Croxagore is, you know, another roughly 540 points. That's a thousand, uh, yeah. Yeah, you've got roughly 700 to 900 points of, you know, monsters. Mm -hmm. And three boxes is technically, you know, an army. Sure. For the most sure. part. Like, you probably need another unit or two, but, like, you could do it like then that becomes probably one of the least expensive armies that you can buy in warhammer right right that's it's not very good but you know hey you could have a lot of models and have fun yeah yeah that would be awesome so that's it for stuffs i did want to make commentary i thought it was really fascinating and this with the preamble that there was a rules update drop today in 40k but i was just shocked when I looked at these numbers for the Eldari so far in 10th edition, they started the thing with Nova, which is very recent, and Eldari took first, second, and third at Nova. Cool. Overall, so far, they have, this number is insane, a 70% win rate, Brendan. That is nuts, dude. That's overall. They have a 60% win rate at tournaments. <laughs> and what's wild about that is they only represent 10% of the lists at these tournaments overall. Wow. Talk about skew. I mean, that's just nuts, right? Hopefully, some of the things that they're going to do in terms of points, there's this thing called devastating wounds, which is basically, it's like a mortal wound that you don't even get a ward against, right? And they've Super had- Super mortals, perfect. Yeah, kind of. And they've had a plethora of ways to deliver those. And they've also had some other mechanics that have just made them totally insane. But I just wanted to drop that to say that it's interesting- in a game that we don't play, but we at least observe that there's such an overwhelming presence at the top tables. All right. Games played other than Sigmar, anything for you? Been 
playing Magic on my phone, mm-hmm. NCAA 14 during college football games that are uninteresting. Sure. One of my favorite pastimes. Had a lot of those this past weekend. There are not a lot of good games this week one. Playing a little bit of Madden. I'm going to pick up Armored Core 6 at some point. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Treasured game from my childhood. Yes. I'm going to pick up Starfield at some points. Yeah. But easy transition, Dan. You've been playing one game and one game only. <laughs> Uh, since it came out, I think it was Tuesday, you texted yep. me, you know, 90 minutes to lift off. And I <laughs> I was sitting there and I was like, we're podcasting on Thursday. What is he talking about? Like, you know, and I went, <laughs> oh, oh, it's that. <laughs> yeah. So seven o'clock on Tuesday was the first time we could play it. My one word of caution is to make sure if anybody's interested in playing this game that your computer is up for the task. That's all I can say. It has some pretty beefy requirements, so just make sure. I'm or seven play it on the Xbox. Well, yeah, you could do that. You play it on the Xbox. I'm about seven hours in, and I'm just having a fantastic time. We were talking before the show, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners play Skyrim. And I would just ask listeners to recall back to the time, the very first time that you woke up in the back of that wagon at the first time you opened Skyrim. You're just going along a road and you're going, where am I? You know, you've just woken up and that feeling of disorientation and just wonder that you were in this place. The opening scene from Starfield was almost like that. It was really, really cool. And I'll tell you just all the different parts and pieces. One of the things that I am so thankful for was a YouTuber had a quick video. It's like five minutes. He said, these are the things not to do before you play Starfield. And he said, the first thing is don't listen to us. Don't listen to any of the YouTubers because we're going to ruin it for you. You know, like, oh, you can find this and this is the first five minutes of gameplay or you can get this thing in the first three hours and you can get infinite money and all these things, you know, to just hyper accelerate accomplishments. Right. My favorite. You know, it was such a great piece of advice because I just went into this thing clean, kind of having a, I had a rough expectation of what it was going to be about, but it was so immersive just from the very beginning. And the dialogue is so good. The writing, the voice acting, the mechanics of, you know, different parts of the game, like the ground combat obviously is mostly shooting and it's just very tactical. I was surprised Space combat is fascinating. One of the things I love is if you've ever seen real life footage of targeting reticle on an aircraft, you notice that the reticle always wobbles. It never settles in. You know, you have to maneuver to get the reticle to settle on the target. And it's just like that in space combat here. The interactions you can have in the first seven hours, I landed on the planet where these Red Corsair guys had kind of a base. And my goal was to get to and talk to their leader. Well, I got up to the roof of this building and there was the leader with his two bodyguards. And I'm thinking, you know, I could just go in guns blazing. But I went up and I had this conversation with him. The mechanic, there's like this little uh, thing that you can do, like like almost like a mini game to kind of back and forth banter and try to persuade them to do what you want them to do. And so I ended up talking him down and almost intimidating to the point where he was like, whoa, whoa, we're still talking, right? We're still talking, it's okay. And he goes, okay, we're not gonna bother any more of the Constellation ships. We're not gonna come out to the frontier, which is my ship. It was so cool that I could do that, right? That is awesome. It was neat. Now, even better than that, you're going to love this. So I ended up going to this planet, walking through the city. And it was actually a town. And 
there's something going on out in front of this building. Well, it turns out that these guys had taken hostages while they were robbing a bank and they were holed up inside. And I'm thinking, okay, guns blazing, man. I'm getting pretty good with guns. I'll be okay. And then I thought, no, you know what? So I talked to the guy in charge there. I literally went up to the microphone on the outside of the door and Brendan, I talked the freaking bank robbers into surrendering and giving up the hostages <laughs> with nobody dying. That's so cool. It was, but the fact that I even had the opportunity to do that, right? I started the conversation and it started going sour. And finally the guy just said, I don't want to talk to you anymore. I kept talking a little bit and it brought back that little mini game again where I could start making choices and I ended up talking him down. That was more satisfying than blowing up like 10 ships or killing 50 guys. It's been really fun. I would just tell people who are playing it, expect nothing. Just play the game, enjoy it and play it your way, whatever that is. Just enjoy the fact that you're in the universe. You know, it, it's so cool. Okay, enough of that foolishness, Dan. Fair enough. <laughs> Sigmar Games, anything for you? No, okay. nothing for me. Nothing for either one of us. Sorry. Right. That's easy. Events, we have the Warpstorm RTT. At the end of September, we have Dragonfall two weeks after that. Vault Wars, RockCon, Holy Havoc, and we got Worlds coming up relatively soon, right? Just a couple months, really. Yep, middle of... November. November. Oof, we're going to be hearing more about that. I can't wait. I can't yeah, wait. You know, I'd really love a schedule for... Like when everything is, all we all I have are the dates of when it's occurring. Okay. Don't know when anything is on those days, so I don't know when to get into town. Don't know how many games we're playing. Don't know the format. Don't have a pack. I'm candidly a little frustrated at that. Okay. okay. All right. Well, that's events and that's stuffs. So let us move on to the reason we're here today. Yep. Which is to talk about Cities of Sigmar. I mean, what are we? A team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're we're a time bomb. Okay, we are back, and we're going to talk about the new Battle Tome Cities of Sigmar. As Brendan, you talked about earlier, we are going to divide this discussion into two episodes. In this one, we're going to focus mostly on human stuff, mm -hmm. um, unless there's something that is generic for everybody. The interesting thing about this is there is really not a whole lot here, other than the fact that the first thing you need to do is pick a city, and there are 11 of them, so there's lots and lots of choices. Pick your adventure kind of a deal. Some are going to benefit some yes. keywords better than others. Some of them allow you to pick different allies or different coalition units. That's kind of cool, right? For those that don't know, coalition or one in four can be from a different army. They don't count towards your ally pool. Mm -hmm. You know, so you can do some really cool things. They're you know people that live and work and you know would visit these cities. And with eleven of them, there's certainly a really cool story to tell. Sure. And then we have orders. <laughs> yep. That's the other part of this. And this is typical of the Newberg books that we've seen, that there's some special set of rules for that particular faction. And orders are what cities get. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about this? Because it can be a little bit confusing because you have to take no more than this many of these or one of these each or however. It's a little bit much. So why don't you kind of break it down for us? Exactly. So... The confusing bit here is these are like commands, but they're not quite commands in the same way that when we were doing the Beast of Chaos show, they were heroic actions, but they weren't heroic actions. Sure. So 
orders. If you command a Cities of Sigmar army, you can give orders, which is its own keyword, to friendly heroes. Orders are represented by order tokens. Each mm-hmm. order token has two sides. One side shows the Cities of Sigmar faction icon. The other side shows the icon that, that corresponds to one of the orders. Obviously, we're not going to be able to show you that picture. It's in the book, I promise. Yes. At the start of the battle round, after the priority roll has been made, you can give one order to each friendly Cities of Sigmar hero on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. So if you've got six heroes, you can give out six orders. To do so, pick one of the orders on the pages 98 to 99, which we'll talk about in a little bit, mm-hmm. and place a corresponding order token with the Cities of Sigmar icon face up. Beside the hero that has been given the order, no more than three friendly heroes can have the same order at the same time. Maximum three on any single order. Okay, so if you uh, had six heroes, for example, you could give two of them three. Is yes, what we're you saying. could yes. do two orders each three times. Okay. But right. you couldn't. Each hero would have their own. You can have three of those heroes with order A and three of the heroes with order B, or you can have all six heroes with different orders or some combination there in A through F. Okay. Orders marked Cities of Sigmar order can be given to any Cities of Sigmar hero. Those marked Human order can only be given to human heroes, Dwarden to Dwarden and Elf to Elf. Makes sense. Orders remain secret until they are revealed. Each order will state when it can be revealed. And this is the really cool part, is the way that this works. (laughs) Yes. And how it is resolved. A friendly unit cannot be affected by the same order more than once in the same phase. At the end of the battle round, all orders are removed from play, including those that were not revealed. Note, an order is not a command. Therefore, a hero that has been given an order or a unit that is affected by an order is not prevented from issuing and receiving commands. (laughs) That's saying that you have up to however many orders for the number of heroes you have, plus you still get your command points. Yep. Wow. You have your full complement of commands that you would normally have access to. There's, off the top of my head, not really any special commands that you're Mm going to come across in the book. These orders are a lot like, in my mind, what Osiarch Bone Reapers do. Mm. Basically, the sequencing of the spend is different, right? Where you're making a prediction at the start of the battle round of what you're going to need, giving that to the heroes that are going to be in range to issue these different orders, and you're making a decision on the front end, and as the battle plays out, you unveil them and do what you need to do, and you go from there, where Bone Reapers have the pool, and you have to make the right decision in the moment and measure that out as the battle round goes on. There's a lot of shooting ones. Uh, (laughs) I'm shocked. (laughs) There are two generic orders that apply to everyone, whether they be Dwarden, Elf, or Human. Then there's three Human orders, and then the Dwarden and Elf have two each of their own. And we're going to cover the generic and the Human ones in this episode. Anyone that you want to... Yeah, sure. I'll start with the generic one. Just right off the bat, advance in formation. You can reveal this order at the start of your movement phase. If you do so until the end of that phase, add three inches of the move characteristics of friendly Cities of Sigmar units that start a normal move within three inches of the hero with this order. In addition, at the end of the phase, friendly Castlight units with the fortified position ability can establish, which is powerful. This is the uh, same. We'll talk we about talk- that in a little bit. Yeah. Can establish a fortified position even if they made a normal move in this phase if they are within three inches of the hero with this order. So I really like this one because this is going to be one that you have to set up either from deployments or a movement phase in advance Mm -hmm. because you have to be within three inches at the start of the movement phase, which is when you trigger this. Okay. The next one is counter charge, and this is a generic order. 
you can reveal the sword at the end of the enemy charge phase. So this is kind of out of sequence, as it were. If you do so, pick one friendly Cities of Sigmar unit that is more than three inches from all enemy units and is within three inches of the hero with this order. You can attempt a charge with that unit. In addition, if that unit makes a charge move in that phase, improve the Ren characteristic of the unit's melee weapons by one until the end of the turn. <laughs> wow. Seems good. <laughs> That's pretty freaking awesome. Just to see that happen would be cool. All right, how about the next one? What are you picking for humans? Return fire, another out of sequence one. You can reveal this order when a friendly unit within three inches of a hero with this order is targeted by a shooting attack. If you do so, after all of the enemy unit's shooting attacks have been resolved, pick one friendly Cities of Sigmar human unit that is more than three inches from all enemy units and within three inches of the hero with this order, that unit can immediately shoot. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, so for some what's, of these what's units. interesting, this is... As far as I'm reading it, something where you can return fire on an Unleash Hell. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. a friendly unit of yours within three inches of the Hero with Disorder is targeted by the Unleash. After all those shooting attacks have been resolved, you pick a friendly Cities of Sigmar unit that is more than three inches from all enemy units. So a different and within three inches of the Hero with Disorder, that unit can immediately shoot. You can set up a charge with you know the back of that unit tagging three inches of the Hero with Disorder. Boom, they get shot at. You pull this order up. Boom, the unit of Fusiliers that was standing next to that hero shoots the unit that shot the unit that charged in. It's like fire support, almost. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> it's, it's very interesting. What we're saying is, don't charge me and don't shoot me, or you're going to pay for it. That's what I get from the last two orders, right? So the next one is suppressing fire. You can reveal this order at the start of the, your shooting phase. If you do so, pick one friendly city of Sigmar's human unit within three inches of the hero with this order. After that unit shoots, if all of its attacks targeted the same enemy unit, roll 2d6 and add the number of models slain by those attacks to the result. If the result exceeds the bravery characteristic of that enemy unit, it is suppressed until the end of the turn. The strike last effect applies to that unit. Pretty good. Yeah, not bad at all. That's one you're going to see a lot, because most human armies are going to include Fusiliers. Fusiliers are going to be able to do some damage. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be a pretty reliable way to do a bravery check to get someone into the, into the strike's last spot. Sure. So the last human one is engage the foe. You reveal this order at the start of the charge phase. Pick a friendly city of Sigmar human unit that is more than three inches from all enemy units that has not yet fought in this battle. That's pretty important to keep track of. And is within three inches of the hero with this order. If that unit makes a charge move in this phase, add one of the attacks characters of that unit's melee weapons until the end of the following combat phase. So this is a good one where you could stack up three of them. You obviously have to have enough heroes mm. to do it. Get them to charge in three units of knights with plus one attacks you know, across their melee weapons is pretty good. That's going to do some damage. Yeah. Okay, so that's it for the orders for the humans and everybody, the generic ones. That'll cover those. It is time now to talk about heroes, human heroes, in fact. And why don't you start us off with the big bad Talia lioness Vendra. of the parch. This is like the premier named character out of the city's book. Mm -hmm. It is genuinely one of the coolest models games workshop has come out with i'm super excited to see it at like a golden demon or something like that mm -hmm. there are going to be some people that absolutely do some really cool painting with this put it on an incredible display base it's going to be awesome mm -hmm. talia is 15 wounds movement 14 down to eight four up save bravery eight she's mounted on 
you know, this big, incredible manticore. She's got three combat profiles, the weapon of office, one in range, six attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage two, the lean in jaws, two in range, three attacks, twos to hit down to five, wounds on a three, rend two, damage three, the stinger, three in range, two attacks, fours by twos, rend three, damage D3 plus three, down to damage D3. She is a Warmaster in Hammerhall Aksha army. Pretty cool. She gets a ward of a six up. She has lead from the front. And this is a rule that we have never seen before. While this unit is within three inches of any enemy units, this unit can issue the rally commands to friendly cities of Sigmar human units while they are within three inches of any enemy units. That alone is insane. The fact that you can do that. In addition, when it does so, you can return one slain model to the unit that receives the command for each four up instead of six. Thankfully, there's not some wound cap as well on top of this, or you know, mm. or that like they'd be removing the wounds cap because that would be insane. You know, you're still capped at getting ten wounds of models back, but you can now rally in combat as long as she's in combat. She is unparalleled tactician. If this unit is included in the cities of Sigmar army, when orders are being given to heroes, this unit can be given two orders instead of one. Each order must be different. So. Thankfully, you're not going to double up on this character with you know the same one. But having two different orders feels like a pretty big ability. From one hero, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. The Manticore has a monstrous action called Paralyzing Venom that you can use instead of another monstrous action. Mm-hmm. Paralyzing Venom, you pick one enemy monster that made a charge move this turn and is within three inches of this unit. Roll a dice on a three-up. The strike blast effect applies the enemy monster until the end of that turn. It's a little situational, but I think it's a good ability. Sure, because if you have a monster going monster hunting against this, there's something to do here. There's a preventive piece. Excellent. A real nice centerpiece start off to this book, man. But yeah, that, centerpiece is an understatement. Yeah. Those Next wing, up, Dan, is the Pontifex. Pontifex Sinestra, matriarch of the Great Wheel. So this is like what? I thought Nurgle was the one with the wheel when I read that first. Like, I guess somebody else has a wheel now. Well, apparently, there's a greater wheel. It's a bigger wheel. Yeah. She has a move of five, nine wounds, five up save, nine bravery. She has scepter of the wheel, one inch range, one attack, three by threes, no rend, one damage. She also has the club and axe, which is one inch range, four attacks, threes and threes, no rent, one damage. Voice of the God King. This unit can attempt to dispel one endless spell at the start of your hero phase and attempt to unbind one spell in the enemy hero phase in the same manner as a wizard, even though she is a priest. Add one to one binding rolls made for this unit. That's pretty good. Yeah. This unit has a ward of four up. Oh, ouch. Nine wounds, four up. Okay. Not bad. Not bad. character, though. Yeah. Then the Vessel of Sigmar. This is so cool. This is where things get a little silly. Yes. Very silly. Vessel of Sigmar is a prayer with an answer value of three. If it's answered and this unit is within your territory, pick one of the effects below to apply until the start of your next hero phase. If answered and this unit is not within your territory. Now, it doesn't say if not wholly within. So it could be partially within enemy territory and this would apply. Yeah, just towed out. Yeah. Yeah. Pick two of the effects below. Okay, sure. So the first one, Hollowed Ground. Friendly Cities of Sigmar human units have a ward of five up while they're wholly within, wait for it, 18 inches, Brendan. Yeah. Freaking, that's a 36-inch bubble. That is monstrous. And, you know, on a three up, boom, there you go. 
no problem. Crazy. The great wheel turns is the next option. Add two inches to move characteristics of friendly cities of Sigmar human units on the battlefield, anywhere on the battlefield. This seems pretty good. Yeah, and, and when paired with the order to give you plus three to move. Plus five. Right, you, can, you can bunch up your guys around <laughs> the plus three to move hero. It could be the Pontifex. You get this prayer off. Now your movement four, movement five, movement six models are now nine, ten, and eleven. You know, your horses are across the board. Sure, absolutely. So, this next one is just silly. Cast out evil. Roll a dice for each enemy wizard and priest on the battlefield. That's anywhere on the freaking board. Anywhere. Yeah. On a two-up, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. God. You will take her in a Stormcast army for that ability alone. Oh, my God. That's just nuts. Yeah. And all you need to do is roll three up. And then the last rule here is Wrath of Azir. At the start of the combat phase and after this unit fights, roll a dice for each enemy unit within three inches of this one. On a two-up, the unit being rolled for suffers D3 mortal wounds. Now, this model is 150 points that yeah, is not enough that is a travesty i'm thinking 250 would be appropriate for her based on what she does yeah you're not wrong that she's definitely undercosted. one of the first things that you and i talked about with this was that you know like she's very good in a city's army right no one take me two ways about this mm-hmm. She's so good in other armies because, like, basically everybody can ally or coalition in cities, right? You know, that's right. Sure, pretty much everybody, right? You know, in the same way that Stormcast can. That three-up prayer for 150 points. You're getting an unbind dispel as well. You know, that's good. But a three-up to basically say all enemy wizards and priests on a two-up take D3 mortal wounds. It doesn't take much above we'll call it statistical average, to get your payback on that 150 points. Mm-hmm. In a season where you are so reliant on small, you know, five, six wound wizards. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the fact that targets priests as well means that this is efficient against everybody. Yes. You know, you're taking a crack at Fire Slayers, you're taking a crack at corn. Like, mm-hmm. the only armies that this doesn't have play against are armies that don't really have wizards built in, you know, like giants. Oh no! Like, <laughs> right. I've got a nine wound hero with a four up save. Like, <laughs> or armies that have wizards or priests on really big beasties, you know, they wouldn't care either. I Those mean, you are... do, right? You know, it's you're chipping away at the wounds. You know, you're Absolutely. not necessarily going to impact the casting, but you're going to impact that output. You're going to make them slower. You're not going to be able to make them get to the places where they want to go. Like, it's a three-up every single battle round, which yeah. is, yeah, that's it's, just so good. I don't know what they were thinking. Well, we'll see if and when. And in the meantime, before it gets fixed, she will pretty much be, I would think, a standard take... <laughs> In any city army. Who knows who I, else will take her, right? You might see her in a lot of other order armies, too. I think you will. Yeah. I think you'll see her prominently in Stormcast armies, uh, particularly in Stormkeep armies, where you get to coalition in cities. Mm. I think that there's going to be some real nasty Stormcast cities combos coming. I can see replacing a Branch Witch with a Pontifex. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway. I respect your optimism as always. Okay. All right. So why don't you talk to us about the Free Guild Marshal? Next up is the Free Guild Marshal on Griffin. 15 wounds, movement 14 down to 8, Forp save, bravery 7. You got to pick between one of these three weapons here. The first one is the Rune Sword, 1 inch range, 5 attacks, 3s by 3s, rend 1, damage 2. 
the Great Hammer, one range, three attacks, threes by threes, rend two, damage three. The Lance, two inch range, four attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage two. And off the charge, you get to add one to the damage and one to the rend. The Mount has the Claws and the Beaks. The Claws are two inch range, six attacks down to three. Fours by threes, rend one, damage two. And the Beak, two inch range, two attacks, threes by threes, rend two, damage four, down to damage one. Which is pretty good. Blood Piercing Roar. When you carry out the Roar Monstrous action, you can pick up to two enemy units within three inches of it instead of one. Wow. That's neat. And then Tactical Acumen. You can give this hero two orders instead of one if it's included in Cities of Sigmar. Here we go again. Yep. It's a cool ability. It's useful. I really like when you get value like that for the big heroes, where like you're making the points investment and you're also getting something for it. Sure. You're not just getting guy on big monster you think this is based on the profile a combat champion here not really okay i mean yes like they're gonna do combat but this isn't like a frost sword on stonehorn right you know you're not gonna send this model into the meat of the opponent and go good luck Mm -hmm. you're going to set this model up in a position to say hey we're going to target specifically and we're going to scalpel our way through it because 15 wounds on a 4-up save goes real quick. Sure. Now, if you've got a 5-up ward as well, <laughs> that, right. that helps you. But of course. It's a lot, but at the same time, it's not very much. Fair enough, because this thing is 270 points. so It's a meaningful investment. Yes. But I think you get some good stuff for it. Okay. Then the next one we have is the Free Guild Marshal and the Relic Envoy. I like this as a unit. I think this is just so cool. This little matchup here is different than you normally see with heroes. It's very cool. He's not a familiar, you know, it's an actual person. <laughs> yep. Right? That's some little beast. Five inch move, five wounds, three up save, seven bravery, so you get the three up. Dueling pistols is the the missile weapon. Nine inch range, four attacks, threes and threes, minus one, one damage. Then we have a choice of the dueling pistols and the silvered short sword or the longsword, or the warhammer. So we have to make that choice. So if you do pick the pistols, you get the silvered short sword, which is one inch range, four attacks, threes and threes, minus one, one. The longsword is one inch. These are all one inch attacks. Four attacks, threes and threes, minus one, two damage. And then the warhammer, of course, delivers a lot of damage. It's three attacks, fours by twos, two rend, and three damage. That's pretty good, pretty good. Attendant Relic Envoy. At the start of your hero phase, you must choose for this unit's Relic Envoy to attend the Marshal or to deliver a message to a nearby unit. If you choose for the Envoy to attend the Marshal, you can carry out a heroic action with this unit in addition to any other unit you carry out a heroic action with. That's really good. An extra heroic action's pretty significant. Yeah, wait till we get to the heroic action that he gets yeah, to issue. Yeah, no kidding. If you choose for the Relic Envoy to deliver a message to a nearby unit, Pick one other friendly Cities of Sigmar human unit, wholly within 12 inches of this unit, until the start of your next hero phase. The next time that unit receives a command, a command point is not spent. Wow. Free command point. Perfect. And then once per battle, you can carry out the deliver rousing speech heroic action below with this unit instead of any other heroic action you can carry out. And this particular heroic action, deliver rousing speech, pick up to three Friendly, Cities of Sigmar units wholly within 18 inches of this unit. For each unit picked, roll 2d6. If the score is less than or equal to the bravery of the unit, until the end of that turn, uh, models in that unit count as two models for the purpose of contesting objectives. Woof. Now, the bravery is pretty low, 
but still, you get to give it to potentially three units. Mm-hmm. So your dice says that you're going to land there on at least one of them most of the time. And if you pick three units with ten models, you got a reasonably good chance of getting twenty models on that objective uh, in terms of model count. So that's yep. pretty strong. And that's just a heroic action. Very cool. And it's a heroic action you could potentially be doing for free. Yes, um, absolutely. In addition to other ones. So yep. some nice tactical flexibility with that. Yep. Next up is the Marshal on Horse. Yeah. So Free Guild Cavalier Marshal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, seven wounds, 10-inch move, three-up save, bravery seven. He's got his Dragoon Pistol. 18-inch range, two attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage one. Master Forge Longsword, one-inch range, four attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage two. And the Murderous Pony Kicks, one-inch range, three attacks, fours <laughs> by fours, no yeah. rend, damage one. Yeah, typical. <laughs> uh, they have for Sigmar Charge, when the finest hour heroic action, or his best day ever, as a lot of people call it, is placed on this unit in addition to the normal effect until the end of the turn at three to charge rolls for this unit. And friendly free guild cavalier units while they're wholly within 12 inches of this Ooh, unit. Ooh, goodness gracious, Brendan. You can add three here. There were two other ways where you could add three and add two, right, to movement. Yep, so, so you that's... can be a movement 15 horse with plus three to charge. <laughs> it's crazy. Pretty, man, oh man. pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then Ooh. he's got run down the foe. The strike first effect applies to this unit if it made a charge move in the same turn. In addition, in the combat phase, if this unit made a charge move in the same turn after this unit is fought for the first time in the phase, you can pick one free guild cavaliers unit, wholly within 12 inches. That unit fights if it's not yet fought in the combat phase and can fight immediately. Yeah, excellent. Go horse, heavy. It seems really good, yep. This next one is so good. The Alchemite Warforger. This is new. This is a five-inch move, five wounds, five up save, six bravery. It is a wizard. It's a one-by-one wizard. And you can pick a spell from the lore of the Collegian Arcanum. If you do, it must be transmutation of lead. So that's what it can yep. do. And we'll talk Basically about that. Basically the lore of metal. Yes, there you go. So the Runic Crucible, at the start of your hero phase, you can say this unit will either stoke or expend the power of its Runic Crucible. And it's a Runic Crucible because it has runes on it. Imagine that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this unit stokes the power of its Runic Crucible. Add one to casting rolls for this unit until the end of that phase. If it expends the power of the Crucible, it cannot cast any spells this phase, but until the start of your next hero phase, add one to save rolls for friendly Cities of Sigmar units wholly within 12 inches. That's really good. Yeah, Very it's powerful. humans only, Yep, but still, an aura plus one to save is rarely bad. Mm-hmm. Blazing Weapons is the spell. It has a casting value of seven, which isn't terrible because you could get plus one to casting, which would be good. And a range of 12 if successfully cast until the start of your next hero phase friendly. Cities of Sigmar human units have blazing weapons while they're wholly within 12 inches of this unit. While the unit has blazing weapons, each unmodified hit roll of six for an attack made by that unit causes one mortal wound to the target in addition to any damage it inflicts. That is shooting or melee. It doesn't specify one or the other. Certain units that have a lot of shooting attacks, fuselers, that could be pretty <laughs> brutal with 40 or 60 attacks, whatever it is. You could be dishing out some mortal wounds if this guy gets that spell off. So yep. one of the things we're going to talk about, of course, when we talk about lore for humans, but they actually have a relatively high casting value for most of their spells. Most of them are seven, and that's 
kind of unusual. You usually see fives and sixes more than you see sevens or a higher. So, well, thankfully they have access to a number yes, of things that give them bonuses to Exactly, cast. which is helpful, yeah. So it doesn't make that as painful as you look at it. Okay. Next up is the Battle Mage, one of my favorite GW kits that they've ever made. Still is one of them. I harvest it for bits every once <laughs> in a while because it comes with some really cool stuff. So your Battle Mage is five wounds, five inch move, six up save, bravery six. Wizard Staff, 2-inch range, 1 attack, 3s by 3s, rend 1, damage D3, 1 cast, 1 unbind. So if you're going to be taking them, you're probably going to be taking a few of them. You have to take an Arcane Trinkets. It's something that you're going to note down on your army roster. They do some different things, some better than others. First one is one you're probably going to see a bunch. The Ancient Grimoire. Add 1 to casting rolls for this unit. So those spells that Dan was saying cost about a 7 to cast or so. Now you only need a 6. Eldritch Hourglass, the unit has a ward of a 5-up. This is really good to put on your wizard that's going to be out there casting Blizzard. Enchanted Blade, add 2 to the attacks characters of this unit's wizard staff. Don't. Ensorcelled Skull, <laughs> add 1 again binding rolls for this unit. Also a good one. Realmstone Orb, add 6 inches of the range of spells cast by this unit. This one's really good. There are some spells that you're going to really want to be able to, you know, have a little bit more reach. Oh yeah, sure. That uh, makes sense. Uh, Ritual Dagger, once per battle at the start of your hero phase, you can say that it will draw blood. If you do so, this unit suffers one mortal wound. This cannot be negated, and this unit can attempt one additional spell in that phase. Not bad. Don't love that it's once per battle. And then the last one, Spectral Potion. Once per battle in your hero phase, you can say that it will uncork its Spectral Potion. If you do so, pick one enemy unit within 12 inches of this unit and roll a dice. On a two-up, that enemy unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. Yeah. Doesn't uh, seem worth giving up some of these other things. No... So, like, Ancient Grimoire, Ensorcelled Skull, Realmstone Orb, those are probably the main three you're going to see. The five-up ward is going to have value on someone that you're going to be throwing a bunch of dice at and risking the Primal Miscast on, or the Mortal Wound Kickback from Blizzard. Right. They're pretty throwaway pieces in terms of how many points they are. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, they're enhancements, but they're not. You know, they're free enhancements that you get to make each wizard a little bit different. And they get access to the human lore of enhancements that we'll go over yeah. uh, a little bit later with no restriction other than just human. I mean, there are 100 points. Yeah. <laughs> they're probably worth dropping 10 points or so. They're very, very, very fragile. Mm-hmm. Then let's move on to Battle Mage on a Griffin. We have a 14 down to 8 move, uh, 15 wounds, 4 up save, 6 bravery. And we have a beast staff. These are all two-inch range. One attack, three by threes, minus one, D3 damage. We have razor claws, which is six down to three attacks, fours and threes, minus one, two. And then twin beaks, which is four attacks, threes and threes, minus two, three down to one damage. It is a one by one wizard. And if you pick a spell from the lore of the arcane, it must be wild form. This unit's griffin is armed with razor claws, twin beaks. Yeah, okay. And amazingly, a griffin can fly. I, I can't, that's yeah. surprising to me. If Incredible. The, if the unmodified hit roll for an attack made with this unit's twin beaks is six, the attack scores two hits on the target instead of one. Make a wound roll and save roll for each. Then Gurish Ferocity add one to the damage characteristic of this unit's razor claws and twin beaks for attacks that target enemy monsters. Cool. And then we have the Amber Spear. Amber Spear has a casting value of seven. 
If successfully cast, pick one point on the battlefield within 18 inches of the caster's visible to them and draw a straight line between that point and the closest point on the caster's base. Roll a die for each unit that has any models passed across. On a two-up, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds or three mortals if it's a monster. Okay. Yeah, it's not bad. There's some damage output here. Potential. I think I'd rather have the equivalent in points of... Foot wizards. <laughs> yeah, there we go. But, you know, there are worse things to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 250 points for this thing. You can get two other wizards and have some change left over for that. Yeah, and then with spell or something. Right, yeah. right. I don't love that it's a one-cast, one-unbind, basically for exactly that reason. Okay. Next up is the Battle Mage on Celestial Hurricanum, and I'm basically going to call an audible on Dan and say that I'm going to cover the regular Hurricanum at the exact same time. Okay, sure. Uh, yeah, so yeah. the only difference is the spell and yeah. that it's a one-cast, one-unbind wizard, and you have the wizard staff combat profile. Otherwise, the Celestial Hurricanum is exactly the same. Okay. So the battle mage on the Hurricanum is 12 wounds, 8-inch move, 4-up save, bravery 6, wizard staff, 2-inch range, 1 attack, 3s by 3s, rend 1, damage D3, arcane tools, 1-inch range, 4 attacks, 5s by 5s, no rend damage 1, the ponies, 1-inch range, 4 attacks, 4s by 4s, no rend damage 1, 1 cast, 1 unbind, if you pick a spell from the lore of the arcane, it must be twin-tailed comets, mm-hmm. they have storm of Shemtech. damn, yeah. this ability is so dumb in the hero phase you can pick one enemy unit within 18 inches of this unit and roll a number of dice equal to the number of the current battle round. let's say that's three you can roll in the hero phase yours and theirs yeah so battle round three it's going to be six dice for each two up that enemy unit suffers d3 mortal wounds so in battle round three you can reliably expect to do 10 mortal wounds to a unit and every hurricane on the battlefield would get to do that. So let's say you wanted to take two for some reason. You'd get to do this twice, every hero phase. And on average, that's 5d3, and on average, that's 10 mortals. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I hope that that gets changed to in your hero phase. Right. But right now, it's the hero phase. So. Mm-hmm. There you go. For the hot moments, like, that's pretty good. Also, it gives you this really cool aura. Add one to hit rolls for attacks made by friendly Cities of Sigmar human units, wholly within nine inches of any friendly units with this ability. So ranged melee, plus one to hit, wholly within nine. And then Chain Lightning is the lore spell, casting value of six, range of 18. Pick one enemy unit within range invisible to caster. That unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. Then roll a dice for all other enemy units within six inches of the enemy unit picked. And on a four up, the enemy unit being rolled for suffers D3 mortal wounds. Yeah. Well, all I can say is I'm going to drop a tree within nine inches of this thing and it'll be dead. <laughs> it's like, wow, that's really good. It's 260 points. That's it. That's not bad. That's for the hero version, right? right. You can take right. the non-hero version sure. at a discount. Right. Oh, yeah, sure. And so the non-hero version, as you said, does everything except for the storm. Well, everything except for chain lightning and is not a wizard. Mm-hmm. But in all other respects is is, you know the same yeah, it's 230 points instead of 260 right. so why not take the wizard i mean heck it's a pretty good discount if you've got the points since you call it the audible i'm going to talk about battle mage on luminarch of heish and this is like you stuck me with this thing great you got the- exactly like the hurricanum <laughs> the regular luminarch it's kind of the same deal we have uh, eight inch move 12 wounds four up save six bravery 
Yep, yes, it is a war machine, by the way, yes. A searing beam of light, 30 inches, one attack. It has a special rule we will talk about. And then wizard staff is two inch range, one attack, three by three is minus one D3. We have the arcane tools and the steel shot hooves. They're the same as they were on the Hurricanum. No difference there. A one by one wizard, a searing beam of light. Do not use the attack sequence for an attack made with searing beam of light. Instead, pick one point on the battlefield within range of the shooting model that is visible to it and draw a straight line between the point and the closest point on the shooting model's base. Roll a dice for each unit that has any models passed across by that line for each two up. That unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. Then we have aura protection. You can give units that are wholly within nine inches of it a six up ward. And then we have burning gaze, which is a spell that has a casting value of six, range of 18. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within range of visible to the caster. That unit suffers D3 mortals, but you double the number of mortal wounds caused. If that unit has two or more models or triple the number of mortal wounds caused, if that unit has 20 or more models. All right. So Coolio. our next hero is the Fusil Major on Ogre Warhulk. Yeah. One of the new models. Eight wounds, five-inch move, three-up save, bravery seven. They have the long Fusil, 24-inch range, three attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage D3. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. The Warhulk Mace, two-inch range, three attacks, threes by two, damage D3. He's a crack shot. If the unmodified hit roll for an attack made with this long Fusil is a six, you can say that this unit has attempted a crack shot. If you do so, the attack sequence ends. After all of this unit's attacks have been resolved, you can roll a dice for each crack shot it attempted. For each roll that is at least double the target's wound characteristic, pick one model from that unit to be slain. Cool. So you can pull out musicians and banners, yep. unit champions. That's pretty neat. Yep. It's also a interesting way of potentially, you know, getting rid of some higher wound models mm-hmm. a little more easily. But, you know, in some of those cases, probably rather have the damage. Rangefinder, at the start of your shooting phase, you can pick one friendly cast light unit wholly within 12 oh, inches of this unit this and roll a dice. So <laughs> Until the end of the phase, <laughs> the range characters of that unit's missile weapon is increased by a number of inches equal to the roll. The same unit cannot be affected by this ability more than once in the same phase. Uh, yeah, okay. So, yeah, Fusiliers that already have a 24-inch range, they need an extra 6 inches of range. They, they actually well, need that. It could be one. Uh, <laughs> sure. It's going to average three. Oh, and they can also move with a special rule four inches, isn't it? Four inches? Five inches. They can move their movement and still be in formation. Yeah, you can trigger the order, give them plus three to move, so they move eight, then set them down in fortified, which gives them the 24-inch range with two shots. Yeah. Yes. Plus this. I mean, uh, the threat yeah. range is really, is really good. Yeah. Pick, pick a point on the board and roll dice. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah. All right. So fortified position is a rule that you'll need to be very familiar with. Yes. At the start of the battle, this unit is in a fortified position. In addition, at the end of your movement phase, if this unit both remains stationary and was not set up in that phase, it can establish a fortified position. Once this unit is in a fortified position, it remains so until it moves or is removed from the battlefield. While this unit is in a fortified position, you can ignore negative modifiers to save rolls for attacks made with missile weapons that target it. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. Try to shoot me. We'll talk about that when we get the Fusiliers. We, that's really good. Let's just say that. And then our last hero is the Steam Tank Commander. Yes. Awesomeness. 
Steam tanks. 8-inch move, 12 wounds, 2 up save, 7 brave ray. You have steam cannon, 24 inch range, one attack, four by twos, two rend, and D3 plus two damage. We have a steam gun, which is 12 inch range, two D6 attacks. Bada ba ba boom. Okay. Yeah. Three by three, no rend, one damage. We have an iron well long rifle, 24 inches, one attack, fours by twos, minus one D3. And then a repeater handgun, which is 12 inch range, three attacks, threes by threes, minus one one. The Melee weapons are a sword or rod, one inch range, three attacks, three by threes, minus one, one. And then the crushing wheels, because of course, with a steam tank, the main thing you want to do is run over your opponents. <laughs> one inch range, six attacks, three by threes, minus one, two damage. The steam tank counts as a mount, which is kind of interesting. The first special rule is more pressure. In your hero phase, you can say that this unit will overpressure its boiler. If you do so, roll 2d6 that the roll is less than the number of wounds currently allocated to this unit. This unit suffers d3 mortals. However, if the roll is equal to or greater than the number of wounds currently allocated, pick one of the following effects to apply to this unit until the start of your next hero phase. Power the wheels. This unit can run and shoot and or charge in the same turn. Then power the guns. Uh, yeah. Hello. Add one to the attacks characteristic of this unit's steam cannon and add D6. 3D6, that's pretty decent. To the attacks characteristic of the unit's steam gun. Okay, Coolio. I think I'm going for power of the guns. Yeah. This unit can issue the same command up to two times in the same phase. If it does so, each command must be received by a friendly steam tank. No command point is spent the second time this unit issues that command in that phase. After this unit makes a charge move, you can pick one enemy unit, impact hits here. Uh, yep. Within one inch on a two up D3 mortals. Awesomeness. Very, very cool. Love steam tanks. Love the bottle. You get two shots with the steam cannon. So 24 inch range, two attacks, fours by twos, rend two damage, D3 plus two. Mm -hmm. And then 3D6 shots at threes and threes, no mm -hmm. rend damage one. And it's got a two up save. Yeah. I mean, you can make this thing ignore one rend really easily. And yeah. 12 wounds, yeah. You're going to have to do and, some mortals to get rid of them. And then there's a non-tank commander version, right? Mm -hmm. Which is the same except for you don't have the long rifle, you don't have the handgun. Right. It can't issue commands to itself because it's not elite. So you're going to need a hero nearby for it. So it obviously right. doesn't have the division commander rules, but it's still a still behemoth. It still has more pressure. Mm -hmm. You know, you still can power the guns. You can create a pretty effective battery of firepower with that. Mm-hmm. And Dan, you know, how many points are steam tanks? 230 points. And then the commander is? Steam tank commander's 270. So he's a couple more points, but not many. Okay. Yeah. So it's 500 yeah. points for a tank and a commander. The reason that they make the steam tank the mount is so that you can't give command traits or <laughs> artifacts to the, the tank itself. <laughs> Silly. <laughs> I know, okay. but you know, okay. someone would do it. I promise. <laughs> That's so crazy. Adamantium armor. <laughs> this unit has ignores all mortal wounds or some silliness. Oh God, we could go crazy on this. Okay, so that's about it, really. I think. Yeah. For, Enhancement time. Yeah. Let's swing on back to that. And there's some fun stuff here. The lore is very good. There's some other things. We might as well cover them all since we're here. Yeah, there's uh, only four of them. Yeah. Why don't you start us off with Divine Champion? Divine Champion, this general becomes a priest if they're not already a priest. In addition, they know the Hammer of Sigmar prayer below, in addition to any other prayers. Hammer of Sigmar is a prayer with an answer value of 4 and a range of 12. 
if answered until the start of your next hero phase, add one to wound rolls for attacks made by melee weapons of friendly cities of Sigmar human units while they're wholly within range of the Chancer. Yeah. All right. Grizzled Veteran is the next one. This is free guild only, so it has to have the free guild keyword. Wound rolls made for attacks that target this general only wound on an unmodified four or better. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yep. Doesn't ignore mortals, but man, it still makes it tougher. And this next one, Brendan, like... This why, is one you're going to see a lot. Why would you not uh, take this with this army? Yeah. Yeah. If this general issues the odd attack command... To a friendly cast light unit in the shooting phase, add one to wound rolls for attacks made with missile weapons by that unit in addition to the normal effects of all attacks. So it's effectively giving that unit plus one to hit and plus one to wound. So master of ballistics, check. Yep. Woof. The other one is really good as well. Okay. So Fiery temper yeah. is really good also. You can reroll charge rolls for this general. In addition to this general mage at charge move in the same turn, you can reroll charge rolls for friendly cities of Sigmar human units if they're wholly within 18 inches of this general. You can have a whole bunch of units rerolling charge rolls. Exactly. So you pair that with the plus one attack order. You pair that with the free guild cavalier marshals. And then oh, yeah. when we get to what the horses do, the regular units of horses, yep. this is going to be a really deadly combination coolio and it just depends on how you're building right which one of these yep. you would take if you're going to go cav heavy then fiery temper would seem to be the choice all right well, this is the humans only stuff you know so there's other things we'll talk about in the next show you know but if you're looking for the human only synergies there's a couple of ways to do some of this all righty then let's move over to artifacts yep and again this human is artifacts yep. dan which is your first pick I kind of like Glimmering. This okay. is once per phase, which is what I like. You can reroll one hit, one wound, or one save roll for an attack that targets the bearer. I'm just thinking that, again, if this is every phase, so it'd be in the shooting phase, then it could be in the charge phase, then it could be in the combat phase. You know, I mean, it, multiple uses, and it just says once per phase. That's in your turn and... Your opponent's well, turn. I, it's across multiple phases. Yeah, This is right. really good on the free guild general on Griffin. Yes. Because you're going to get a lot of use out of, you know, that being in combat. Mm-hmm. Rerolling a save roll could save a model, a really important yep. model. And you could do that multiple times. So I'm going to pick one that you're going to see a lot. Maestro Vivetti's Magnificent <laughs> Macroscope. Yeah. You add three inch of the range characteristic of missile weapons used by friendly cities of Sigmar human units while they're wholly within 12 inches of the bear. And listener, if you feel like we're building to a really <laughs> specific combination of things, you're 100% right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Okay. So that was my second choice because there's a really obvious use for that. I'm a fan of the Sigmarite Warhammer, mm -hmm. uh, mostly because it's a carryover from old Warhammer fantasy battle. Mm -hmm. Pick one of the bear's melee weapons, improve the rend by one, and the damage by one. Good on a combat hero. I actually quite like this on the uh, free guild marshal on horse. Okay. I think that's a good delivery system in the kind of a small package for weirdly a lot of damage. Okay. The other one that's interesting, I'm covering almost all of them, is uh, Shemtex Grimoire. This is only for wizards, once per battle at the start of... And this is the reason that I wouldn't pick it, is because it is once per battle, but I think it's very cool. At the start of the enemy hero phase, you can say the bearer will conjure a storm. If you do so, roll d3 until the end of that phase. Subtract the amount of that roll from casting rolls for enemy wizards, period. No range, no nothing. If you roll a 3, even a 2, minus 2 or 3 for casting for most run-of-the-mill wizards, that's pretty impactful. 
Yeah, that's a bad hero phase for somebody. Yeah, it really is. But unfortunately, it's only once per battle, but it makes sense that it is because if it wasn't, it would be Oh my goodness, right? Stupid. <laughs> Just stupid. You'd have to move that into the command traits section, you know, because... <laughs> Because then, like, at least with that kind of artifact, you can take Warlord, you know, you can take right. Command Entourage, you can get extra <laughs> artifacts, right? Like, there are easy ways to get that and the other artifacts that you like. But yes, uh, 100% agreed. That's a pretty good one. Yeah. So let's move on, my friend, to Spell Lures. And there's some fun ones in here. Yeah, um, there's basically one for each Lore of Magic, mm-hmm. which I really like that they've moved it to... The enhancement section, instead of it being, and I'm very sorry, Dan, on the War Scroll of the Battle Mage, <laughs> and the Battle Mage being used in every yeah. army except for Cities of Sigmar, <clears throat> Gur Battle Mage. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, so there's that. Okay. So I like Fa's Protection. I think that's a really cool one because you're basically making a unit ethereal is what you're doing. Yep. It has a casting value of seven. Most of these have seven. We talked about that. But there are ways to mitigate that higher number. Pick one. Cities of Sigmar human unit wholly within range of visible of a caster until the start of your next hero phase. Ignore modifiers, positive or negative, to say rolls. Excellent. Yep. Really, really good. I have one for people who are really frustrated with OCR Bone Reapers right now. <laughs> and that is Paul of Doom. Mm. Uh, casting value of a 7 and a range of 18. Range of 24 if oh, you take the, so the orb. Good. This is so good. Pick one enemy <laughs> unit within range invisible to caster. That enemy unit cannot issue or receive commands until the start of your next hero phase. And you say, but friend, oh. and everyone's taking no myriad. And I go, Catacross's keyword lock to Mortis Praetorians. He is targetable with this and cannot take the ignore. Jeez. This is a really good spell, basically for specifically anti-Catacross tech. Very, very cool. What's your second one, Dan? Well, I don't know. I think Mystifying Miasma is really cool. Okay. Uh, because of the way that it can nullify some really crazy charging armies. So Mystifying Miasma is a spell that has a casting value of 5, and, so 5, and a range of 24, which is very respectful. It's successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within range invisible to the caster. That unit cannot run until your next hero phase. In addition, subtract 2 from charge rolls for that unit until your next hero phase. I mean, how many units that you know want to get in your face run in charge? How many yep. armies have run in charge? And you just dread seeing that unit across from the table or those units across from the table, and you know they're going to be in your face. Well, guess what? Maybe they won't be because they're minus two to charge and they can't take that run. I think that one's pretty decent. What's My last phase? pick for sake of conversation is a wild form. Mm-hmm. Casting value of seven, range of 12. Pick one friendly human unit, holy within range, invisible to caster. Until the start of your next hero phase, they can basically make 3d6 charge and can charge from 18 inches out, not just mm-hmm. 12. Very nice. You know, it's not what it used to be, but very few things are. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. In so, so many ways, my friend. Yeah. Really like that spell for, you know, using, obviously, with the ponies. I really like that one for the general on Griffin, because, like, we talked about, like, it is a character who's oriented towards combat, 3d6 allows you to put it in a place that is going to be really inconvenient for your opponents in many cases. Fair. Here's to five miserable months on the wagon and all the irreparable harm that it's caused me. 
Okay, we are gonna talk about six of the cities to start this book, and most of these are going to be human-oriented in some way. And the first one we're gonna talk about is Hammerhall Akshi. If you remember, listeners, Dave and I referenced when we talked about the lore of Harbingers that Hammerhall is actually divided into two parts. There's Hammerhall Akshi and there's Hammerhall Gyron. So this is the uh, fiery lava part of Hammerhall, basically. We have officers of the Academy Marshal. When orders are being given to friendly Hammerhall Akshi units, one of those units can be given two orders instead of one, but they must be different. And the other thing is the Magister of Hammerhall. If you command a Hammerhall Akshi army that includes an allied Aventus Firestrike, at the start of your hero phase, you receive one additional command point if that model is on the battlefield. And you're spending, I think, 250 or 270 points, something like that, for Firestrike. It's nice, but you're going to really only be doing that for narrative purposes the buffs and benefits he gives you can get access to somewhere else in your book nothing wrong with it you know but that kind of is what it is this is straightforward all human units are pretty good into this one Mm -hmm. it's maybe not the best one but Mm. this is the one that is keyword locked to your new named character and being able to pick a hero to get Extra orders is good, especially when, you know, you talk about some of the, like, Thedra obviously can get two. Mm -hmm. You can have another character have two. So you can basically only have four heroes, but you can be issuing six orders. Yeah. There's some good efficiency in that where you can spend your points on other things for units to fill out. Not that you need that kind of point saving because the units themselves are relatively inexpensive. Okay. We're going to do Hallowheart next. Hallowheart Wild Magic is the rule. When you attempt to cast a spell with a friendly Hallowheart wizard, you can say they will harness Wild Magic. If you do so, roll three dice instead of two for that casting roll. Love it. However, on an unmodified roll of ten or more, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds after any effects of the spell have been resolved, which is okay because the spell still goes off. It's not like you're miscasting or something, right? Mm-hmm. And the spell doesn't well, go in, off. Unless you've also miscasted somehow. Right. <laughs> right. That's true. But that's good. Rolling three dice instead of two. There's not a limit. I mean, you could have multiple wizards do this, could you not? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. What, that's pretty darn good if you've got three or four or five wizards and having the chance to have them all roll 3d6 instead of two. Pretty powerful. It's basically a worse version of the Slaves of the Darkness one. Yeah. yeah. And this overcomes, again, that number we said, you know, that seven. You get the chance to roll better than that. Take a little bit of a punch when you're doing it, but you're going to get a lot of spells off. So. Yep. There's a magic cool. sweet spot range, right, with the 3d6. I don't love this city super much because, right, if you're talking about an unmodified 10-up, that's going to be about 50% of the time mm-hmm. that you're going to take damage. Right. Next, we have Hammerhall Gyra, which is the pretty green part of Hammerhall. It makes all the food and stuffs. When picking a Hammerhall Gyra army, if the battle pack you are using has restrictions on the number of reinforced units you can include, which they almost always do, you can include one additional Cities of Sigmar reinforced unit in your army. In addition, friendly Hammerhall Gyra human units have a bravery of 10 if they have 10 or more models. So this is really good, yeah. right? If you'll roll back to the marshal with his little emissary envoy guy, yes. yeah, yeah. the relic bearer, rolling below the bravery mm-hmm. suddenly becomes really doable with Hammerhall Gira, yeah. right? 
where you can take three units of steel helms, right? The, the little foot troops guys. Mm-hmm. Now you got to reinforce them. Suddenly you've got 60 models on an objective. You have 80 models on an objective. Mm-hmm. You have 120 models on an objective. Yeah. And they have bravery That's, 10. <laughs> it, right. Cause they're bravery 10. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. And getting a fifth reinforcement. You can include one additional Cities of Sigmar reinforced unit in your army. It's interesting how that word that, I wonder if you're going to be able to double reinforce with that. Well, it's interesting, too, because that's just Cities of Sigmar. So yep. it includes any Cities of Sigmar. Yeah, so you can reinforce, reinforce any Cities of Sigmar, but yeah. it's humans specifically that right. get to be Bravery 10. Right, which exactly. Is right, but you can reinforce dwarves or elves if you wanted to using yep. this. You just don't get the benefit of the extra Bravery. Yeah. Then this next one is Lethys. This is like in Shaish. So the Raven Priests, friendly Lethys human heroes that are not wizards become priests. Wow. Which is a lot of them. <laughs> That's yes. a lot of guys, yeah. In addition, friendly Lethys human priests and friendly allied Stormcast eternal priests know the following prayer. And this is Mortis Embrace. This is a really good one. Mortis Embrace is a prayer that has an answer value of four. And a range of 12. If answer, pick one enemy unit within range invisible of the chanter. Ward saves cannot be made for that unit until the start of your next hero phase. Woof. Not Man, bad. Not uh, bad at all. If you can get it off with that four up. Yeah. yeah. This one you'd be looking to include human heroes that are not priests. Mm-hmm. All right. The next one is Vindicarum. Friendly Vindicarum units can receive the rally command. While they're within three inches of enemy units, woof. In addition, when a friendly flagellance unit receives the rally command, you can return one slave model to that unit for on a five up instead of a six. Yeah, seems pretty good. Talk about tar pits, man. Because you could give them rally while they're just stuck in there. Yeah. You have a unit of 40 of them and you kill 20. And you, phew, I just got 10 back. That's nuts. That's very, very cool. All right, then the last one we're going to talk about is Excelsis. This is Fearsome Breeds. Add one to the wounds characteristic of friendly Excelsis monsters. In addition, each time a friendly Excelsis free guild cavalry unit fights, after all of its attacks have been resolved, pick one enemy unit within three inches of that unit and roll a dice for each model in the cavalier's unit for each four up. That enemy unit suffers one mortal wound. So basically, after the fact, impact hits. This is really good. The units you'd be looking to put into this are free guild cavaliers mm-hmm. and your... Cavalier Marshals, and, you know, the big heroes on Monsters. Yep. Pretty straightforward. There's just some really great ways to buff multiple units in this book. You know me and my cavalry. I love that kind of thing. And I'm never going to start. Okay, I'm (laughs) probably never. I have to always qualify that with you. Probably never going to start a free guild cavalry army. But wouldn't that be fun for, like, a Path to Glory event or something. Having, thousand points. Yeah. Bring that to a narrative. Nothing. Yep. And it would be so much fun to take like Excelsis and some of these other things we talked about. Just make those Cavaliers do some work. It'd be really fun to watch. Very, very fun. All right. We have talked about our cities and some units maybe to go into them. Let's talk about units now. And the first unit we have are our crazy people. Yep. Flagellants. Flagellants. Right? They have a champion, and they have castigating flails and clubs because they love beating themselves when they're not beating others. Two-inch range, two attacks, four by fours, no rend, one damage. Glorious Martyrs. Each time a monolith unit is slain by an attack made with a melee weapon, you can pick one enemy unit 
within three inches. <laughs> no zombies within yeah. three inches of this unit and roll a dice on a five up, that unit suffers one mortal wound. Six inch move, one wound, six up, save eight bravely. This is between where zombies were and where zombies are. Mm -hmm. So it's the enemy unit within three inches of this unit, not the model that died, right? Mm -hmm. You know, before it was just five up anywhere. So you can pull guys from the back and still do mortal wounds to the front. I don't know why we continue to not learn this lesson, but mm -hmm. here we are. I guess they felt they were safe saying within three. I guess. Yeah. Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> sure. Our next unit is... It didn't feel like a unit. It felt like it should have been a hero. It's a conglomeration of demi-heroes how about yeah yeah the free guild command core mm. they're three wounds apiece five inch move four up save bravery seven this unit consists of a free guild command core are one arch knight one whisper blade one great herald one war surgeon one soul shepherd and one mascot gargoylean boy yeah. I don't know. the models are cool i give it that they get different equipment the Arch Knight has the Sigmarite Great Weapon, which is 2-inch range, 4 attacks, 3s by 3s, rend 1, damage 3. Not bad. The Whisper Blade is armed with the Enchanted Rapier, 1-inch range, 1 attack, 2s by 2s, rend 3, damage D6. Mm. The War Surgeon and the Soul Separate are each armed with the Assortment of Weapons, which are 1-inch range, 2 attacks, 3s by 4s, no rend damage 1. And the little pet mascot has his bite, 1-inch range, 3 attacks, 4s by 3s, rend 1, damage D3. Better. The Great Herald yeah, gives the unit the totem keyword while the Great Herald is alive. And then there's a page here of rules. So, yeah. Marshall's Retinue. At yeah. the start of the first battle round, before determining who has the first turn, you can pick one friendly Free Guild Marshal and Relic Envoy on the battlefield for this unit to be assigned to. The same Marshal cannot have more than one Free Guild Command Corps assigned to it. That Free Guild Marshal has a ward of a four up while it is within three inches of this unit. Wow. Not bad. Sawbones. You can use this ability while this unit has a War Surgeon. At the end of your hero phase, you can pick up to three friendly Cities of Sigmar human units wholly within 12 inches of this, this unit. This is so good. So For cool. each unit picked, you can either heal up to D3 wounds allocated to that unit, or if no wounds have been allocated to that unit, you can return a number of slain models equal to the combined wounds characteristic of D3 or less. Mm. You can get a full horseback, I believe, yep. which is uh, <laughs> kind yeah. of an interesting picture in my Horse head. Horse and a half, yep. Dispatch Spies, you can use this ability only while this unit has a Whisper Blade. Once yes. per turn, when an enemy unit issues a command, you can say that the Whisper Blade will attempt to disrupt it. If you do so, roll a dice. On a 4-up, that command was not received. The command ability still counts as having been used, and the command point has been spent to issue that command is lost. Each time command is issued, no more than one attempt to disrupt can be made. 4-up to stop Catacros seems pretty good to me. Absolutely. Sound the Advance, you can use this ability only while you uh, has a Great Herald. Add one to the run rolls and charge rolls for friendly Cities of Sigmar units while they are wholly within 12 inches of any friendly units that have a Great Herald. In addition, when a friendly Cities of Sigmar unit wholly within 12 inches of any friendly units that have a Great Herald retreats, you can add D3 inches to the move characters of the unit until the end of that phase. That's really good. And then Tune of the Corpus Somni, you can only use this if you have a Soul Shepherd. In the battle shock phase, each time a model would flee from friendly cities of Sigmar human unit, while that friendly is wholly within 12 inches of this unit, roll a dice on a 4-up that model does not flee. The same unit cannot be affected by this ability more than once in the same phase. These are really cool. The trouble is getting the units in range of the different abilities. Yes. 
It just seems like they'd have to be stuck in, you know. And you got to really pick and choose what your plan is for this unit, right? Mm-hmm. You know, are you going to be forward supporting units? Are you going to be hanging back kind of with your castle? You're hanging back with your castle. But you do have to really make a choice of what you're going to be using. This is 170 points for all these things. I think that's a real bargain for all these abilities. This is very, very good. Now, I had a question, Brendan, because it says three okay. wounds. So I assume that three wounds is for each model. Yes. So when you lose three, you have to choose, but you can choose which model you lose. If you lose six, you choose which two models you use, which abilities you want to lose kind of thing. Okay. Correct. Yeah, the first two to die basically always are going to be the champion and, you know, the little mascot. Basically, gives you a six-wound buffer to the three main abilities that you want. Mm -hmm. And even then, you're really holding out for Sawbones and Mm -hmm. the Dispatch Spies. So. The Herald is fine, and the Retreat stuff is, you know, the Flea stuff is fine, mm-hmm. but the value here is in Sawbones and Dispatch the Spies. Right. Now, you could use Sawbones on this unit, though, couldn't you? You could, To bring yes. back one of the units that has an ability. Okay. You gotta roll a five and a six, but yes. Yeah. All right, next we have the men with the bowls on their heads, the steel bowls on their heads. Uh, <laughs> yes, because the, it's kind of what bowls. it looks like. Sorry, it just looks like that. The Free Guild Steel Helms. They have a champion, five-inch move, one wound, four up save, five bravery, one-inch range, two attacks, four by fours, no rend, one damage for their weapons. They have a standard bearer, adds one of the bravery, and a battle priest. You can have one model in this unit be a battle priest. So consecrate the land. At the end of your movement phase, If this unit includes a battle priest and is contesting an objective you control that is not contested by enemy models, you can say that this unit will consecrate the land. If you do so, roll a dice on a three up. That objective is considered by you to be consecrated. Friendly Cities of Sigmar human units have a ward of six up while they're contesting a consecrated objective. If your opponent gains control of the consecrated objective, it is no longer consecrated. Having had a six up ward for a while with stuff, it's just okay. You know? Yeah. That five up uh, ward is a lot different. It's just sea change different from a six up. Yeah, hopefully you have the Pontifex ability going up, but this is a really mm-hmm. nice ability to be included in a unit that's what, a hundred points? Yes, for ten. Mm-hmm. And it that's, is battle line. It's straight up battle yeah, line too. That's pretty good. Yeah. The other really good ability is hold the line, which yes. you know, you're you're about to get to. And this one is very good. Each time this unit receives the all-out attack or defense command, you can pick one other friendly unit with this ability that is wholly within 12 inches of this unit and has not received any commands this phase. That unit receives the same command as this unit, and the sequence ends. Wow. Double your pleasure, double your fun yep. with this is pretty good. Yep. Yeah, the ability to make multiple units of Steel Helms all-out defense in a critical combat. All-out attack really doesn't do too much here for you. You know, all-out defense, so, you know, four-up ignoring Ren 1 or three-up, you know, against Ren 0. That's really good. That's going to frustrate your opponents in some spots. Here come the... Three-guild uh, Cavaliers. Metal ponies. Two wounds, 10-inch move, three-up save, bravery seven. The regular guys are armed with the Cavalier weapon, one-inch range, three attacks, threes by threes, run one, damage one. And then the Arch Knight Blade goes on the unit champion. One-inch range, four attacks, threes by threes, run two, damage two. The horses, one in range, two attacks, fours by fours, no rend damage, one. You get to add a herald to one in five. If you do so, you add one to the bravery, making them bravery eight. Mm-hmm. They have devastating charge. If you made a charge move in the same turn, add one to the damage 
and Ren characteristics of the Cavalier weapons, so they bump up to Ren 2 damage 2, which is exactly what the Arch Knight has all the time. You know, no reason to not make your champion have the blade. That's off the charge, 16 attacks, 3s and 3s, Ren 2 damage 2. That's pretty good. With Excelsis, you get the after-the-fact impact hits you know, from the Cavaliers, right? So a unit of 5, right, which is like 200-something points mm-hmm. off the charge. You're coming in with 16 attacks at 3s and 3s, Ren 2, damage 2. If you have a Cavalier Marshal nearby, right, you're going to be fighting first with the Marshal and then fighting with a unit of Cavaliers themselves. Mm-hmm. You don't have a lot of buff spells, right, you know, in your lores, which is totally fine. You don't necessarily need it, but this is where it comes real in handy with the command traits, the fiery temper. Yes. Where you can reroll charges for units that are wholly within 18 inches of your general if your general, you know, also charged. Getting a number of these units in are going to do a fair bit of damage. You know, I certainly can't take credit for this idea. Our friend Nick True is kicking around something with a number of these things. It's good. It's um, only 180 points, Brendan. I just looked. So, yeah. bonus. This is a great countercharging unit. Yeah. This is an incredible unit to receive the plus one attacks order. This is a unit that you want to set up to always receive the plus one attacks order every game. Now, you can only receive it if you haven't fought yet in the game. So you want to set up an absolutely devastating charge with any and all free guild cavaliers that you're taking in your army. And it would almost be worthwhile to hold a unit back if you're not going to give it that plus one attack. Because you go from 16 to 21 attacks that are threes and threes, ren two, damage two, right? You take mm-hmm. the odd attack, you're twos and threes. That's really, really solid. As much as we're going to talk about the next unit, this is absolutely an incredibly high-value unit for Cities of Sigmar players that are in particular going to be focused on the human side of affairs. Okay, excellent. All right, let's talk about... So, Dan, you you have the honor of talking about what will be the great problem unit of this army. I really think that the symbol for this unit should be a shield that's broken, if you understand (laughs) my meaning. (laughs) The Free Guild Fusiliers... Five-inch move, one wound, four-up save, five bravery. Doesn't sound like much yet, but oh my goodness. So we have a fusil cannon that can be one of two profiles. If you are in a fortified position, it's 24-inch range, two attacks, four by fours, minus one ren, one damage, which again doesn't sound too bad. And then if it's walking around, it's 12-inch range, one attack, fours and fours, minus one, one damage. Has a brace of pistols. Nine-inch range, four attacks, threes and threes, minus one, one. And, of course, bayonets. Why not? Range, one attack, four by fours, no run, one damage. The champion, add two to the attack characteristics. Alternatively, the uh, model could be armed with a brace of pistols instead of a cannon. I don't know why, mm. but okay, sure. Mm, I yeah. wonder what you'll do. <laughs> yeah. One in every ten can be uh, herald. Add one to bravery. And we're going to talk about the little... Squires that run around to bring back uh, reloads for stuff, and they don't count. It's not a model, essentially. It's just a. It's a, just a token. A, a mark. Just token. a reminder token. Yeah. The first special rule is fusiliers fire each time a model shoots with a fusil cannon. If it's in the fortified position, use the fortified position weapons characteristic. Otherwise, use the mobile characteristic. Okay, that makes perfect sense. Fortified positions, Brendan. You already warned us how crazy this is, and this unit also has the 
fortified position. Special rule at the start of the battle, this unit is in a fortified position. In addition, at the enemy movement phase, if this unit both remains stationary, was not set up in that phase, it can establish a fortified position. Once this unit is in a fortified position, it remains so until it moves or is removed from the battlefield. Or it can still move if it has some special rule thingy that allows it to move and still be fortified. Oh, I wonder where that is. While this unit is mm. in a fortified position, Could be anything. <laughs> you can ignore negative modifiers to save rolls for attacks made with missile units. Okay, fine. Then you have this really fun rule. It is so much fun to think about this. Once per battle, thank goodness. At least it's timing lock, too. It's yes. not just once per battle. It's also time-oriented. Right, at the start of your shooting phase in the third or so. So it's only three battle rounds that you could do this. If your opponent hasn't been shot off the board already, you can say that this unit will be resupplied by its Black Powder Squire. If you do so, you can re-roll hit rolls. Now, when is the last time you heard those words? It's been a minute. <laughs> you could re-roll hit rolls for attacks made with missile weapons by this unit. Until the end of that phase. Holy mother. So this is going to be a unit we're going to circle back to in episode two when we talk about mm. Greywater Fastness. Keep this War Scroll in mind. It's excellent. It's a ton of damage. How many points is this unit, Dan? Oh, it's only free guild fools are only 150 for 10. So for 10 of them, you're getting in the fortified position 22 shots at fours and fours. Ren one, damage one. That doesn't sound like necessarily a lot, but they're effectively range 27. And if you really think about it, they're effectively range 35, which mm -hmm. means everything. Plus three move from the order. You're going to move them in such a way where the hero's there within three inches of them. They're going to set down, be fortified. That's an eight-inch move, 24 inches. That hero's going to have the plus three-inch range to make yes. them range 27. Cool. And even from there, the Fusil Major doesn't even necessarily help them because it's just picking one friendly unit to do this, like... That's nice. And we also have the command trait. Oh, yeah. Oh, we forgot that. about that, right? So essentially, if the general orders all an attack to this unit, you get to add one to hits and wounds. So essentially, those 22 attacks from 10 of them are on threes and threes, Brendan. Well, one unit is on right. threes and threes. Right, but it could be a unit of 20, or it could be a unit of 30. It could yep. be some massive amount of attacks. Because can these be battle line, Dan? Yes, they can. In an army that has steel helms. Yeah, Perfect. you just got to have steel helms. Now, one of the interesting things, and we'll talk about it when we get done with units, is I thought was interesting anyway, is I'm looking through the notes in the profiles that we usually have. Usually it's like if you are in this particular sub-faction, it's battle line. Or if you take this particular hero, it's battle line. Most of the battle line if here is if you take a unit of one type, it creates battle line in another unit, which I think is kind of interesting that there's a lot of that going on here. Yeah, we really haven't seen that since Luminous. And Brendan, let us not forget that there is a way here to allow these shots to have a mortal wound on a six. So a, unit, a 20, you're talking about six or seven mortals in addition to everything else that's going on here. So, Dan, can you remind the listeners where the mortal wound... Yeah, wounds? craziness added on to craziness, Brendan. If you take the Warforger, you can get mortal wounds on sixes. Take a unit of 20, rolling 44 dice, you're going to be rolling up seven or eight mortals in addition to all the other stuff you do. The worst part about this, or the best part, depending on how you want to look at it, is it's an aura. So... 
Cast until the start of your next hero phase. Friendlies of City Sigmar human units have blazing weapons while they're wholly within 12 inches of this unit. Mm-hmm. So you're going to form a big castle around your plus 3-inch range, plus the mortal wounds, plus your 3-inch move, you know, plus your setup and fortify. Mm. Oh, and you're able to get plus 1 to hit and plus 1 to wound. And then when we talk about Greywater Fastness in one episode's time, it's all going to come together as to what really pushes this war scroll over the top and why you're going to see 90 potentially in a game. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's for 60 of them, it's only 450 points, Brendan. I know. Or for 30 of them. And you're talking 60 plus attacks for 450 points. Mm-hmm. You're rocking at least 10 mortals then, plus all the other. Anyway, I think listeners, you get the point here. That Fusiliers are just... This is going to be a unit that you as a player are going to have to work around, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a unit that is going to show up prominently the moment that people start getting these painted. Think about it, Brendan. It's going to be very difficult to shoot them because they're effectively ethereal in terms of ignoring negative modifiers, right, for yep. shooting attacks. You also have the ability to, if they're shot at, they can shoot back, right? The counterfire, we got that going on. So yep. you do not want to charge these guys because they're going to be unleashing hell on you in a way you have never felt before. <laughs> it's really difficult. And to your point, you're going to have to deal with them. The question is, how do you do it? Because they're just built in a way that it makes it difficult no matter what dimension you try to approach from. It's a tough tough order the first thing that jumps to mind when i'm thinking about this unit is trying to do mortal wounds right doing doing the damage via mortal wounds doing Mm -hmm. the damage in the combat phase so trying to find those units that have a a six inch pylon right Mm. you don't get unleashed versus that you know taking units that shut off the ability to issue commands right you can't unleash hell on something Mm -hmm. if you can't issue commands right morgas geminids right you know something that i think about to try and pin that unit in now it doesn't get around orders that you fire out of sequence but if you don't have shooting attacks they can't return Mm -hmm. fire it's Mm -hmm. not something that they can do gonna be tough yes this is one of those new units, a lot like Immortus Guard, where you are going to see this unit. You are going to see this unit a lot, mm-hmm. and you're going to have to plan actively for what you're going to do about it. Now, Dan, mm-hmm. as a Sylvaneth player, you're well-equipped to deal with that because you have line-of-sight-blocking terrain that you can put down on the board. Mm-hmm. Guess what doesn't like that? Yeah, and, you know, the whole mortal wound thing, if the Pontifex is close by, these suckers are going to have a five-up ward save yep yeah i just you try to pull every tool out of the toolbox and every tool you look at it and you're going nope you throw that one back over your shoulder how about that? it's going to be interesting a cool model that i don't know really how much you're going to see in terms of you know, overshadowed pe- by its much tinier version yes right so why don't you talk to us about the great cannon the great cannon is a war machine eight wounds three inch move four up save bravery five Mm-hmm. Uh, you have three different firing options that you'll have to pick from when you shoot. Mm-hmm. You have the cannonball, 24-inch range, two attacks, fours by twos, ren two, damage D3 plus two. Armor piercing round, 24-inch range, two attacks, fours by twos, ren four, damage D6. Grape shot, 12-inch range, five attacks, threes by threes, ren one, damage two. Pretty good. And then it has fortified, which is the same, except that there's no fortification shooting bonus here. Right. Just that there's a save benefits. I think this game doesn't have anywhere near enough pieces of artillery. You know, so it's really cool to see this. It's a bummer that 
you know, the rocket batteries and the volley guns and all that stuff didn't make it into this version of cities. Sure. But, you know, we got a really cool model to replace it with. Hopefully we at some point in this game get our war machines pointed out in a place where people take them because it's a part of the game that I always really loved in Warhammer Fantasy. Mm -hmm. A lot like chariots that I feel like we could definitely do with seeing some more of. Sure. And again, it's unfortunate that you're not going to see a lot of these unless people are just, you know, playing because they love the models, which is great. Well, we always love to see that. But if you're comparing 150 points for those 10 Fusiliers to 150 points for this great cannon, there just isn't a comparison, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, it's no choice. It's, yeah, yeah. You, you don't have, they're taking away that choice. So hopefully people will buy this model and build it and put it on the shelf and do some amazing things with it. I hope they do that because it's wonderful to see it in the book. Next unit is the Vildercore Hunters, yes? Yes. Okay. So this is new. They're a Warcry Warband, yep. Okay. But I think they're worth talking about. There's some good stuff in here. They absolutely are. Most Warcry Warbands, they've done a really good job of making valuable. It's the Underworld Warbands. Mileage may vary. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. They're five inch move, one wound, five up save, five bravery. They have Hunting Crossbow, which is 18 inches, two attacks, four by fours, minus one, one. The Hunting Arbalest, which is 18 inches, two attacks, three by threes, minus two D3 damage. They have Hunting Weapons and Ferocious Bite from the Pup Dogs, and they're both one inch. The Hunting Weapons is two attacks, four by fours, no rend for either one of these, one damage. And then the Pup Dogs do three attacks, four by threes, one damage. So the Warden, one in every 11 models in this unit, which is how many you get, that model is armed with a Ferocious Bite in addition to its other weapons because it has... A dog. And then four models in 11 are Pup Dogs as well, and they have Bites instead of other weapons. So we have the Arbalester. One in every 11 will be a Gunner. Yeah, you'd pick that instead of the Hunting Crossbows. Expert Trackers after deployment, but before the first battle round, this unit can make a normal move. Very nice. It can't run. So the best part about this, right, is... So when you're thinking about your Fusilier castle, you're probably going to have a wall of steel helms in front of them because you want to take advantage of the battle line Fusiliers. But what you do is you set up a unit or two of Wildcore Hunters in front of that or to the sides to space out and create these additional layers of mm. units that your opponent is going to have to charge and fight through while you move your castle up Refortify and gun them down. Very exciting play style. I know you're all really thrilled to play it. It's 11 models, too. That's a pretty good coverage, you know? Yeah. And here's the crazy thing. Hidden and dangerous rule. This unit is not visible to enemy units while it's in cover or while it's more than 12 inches away from them. In addition, improve the rent characteristic of this unit's missile weapons by one, blah, blah, blah. That's pretty cool. All you got to do is be 12 inches away and nobody can touch you in terms of shooting. Yep. As Pretty long good. as it's something that requires visibility, yes. Right. So that's it for the human side, yes? Yeah. That's going to be where we stop today in terms of reading through the battle tome. Yes. You know, the next time up, we're going to talk about the remaining cities, the elves and the Duarden, all their enhancements and strategy tactics. But we're going to talk about the battalion today, right, Dan? Yes. There is a battalion. Yep. Because it is all human all the time. <laughs> Yeah, well, and it's true. Yes. This might be why you see a unit of cannon on the battlefield, mm -hmm. right? This could be why, maybe. Right, because you can get a one-drop out of it. It's a mandatory fusel major on a War Hulk, and one optional. It is also three mandatory units of fusiliers or steel helms, and one mandatory cannon. And what you get from that is 
a one drop for all that stuff. And you also get Slayers. So once per battle, one unit from this battalion can receive the all out attack or unleash hell command. Oh, I wonder where you would put that. Without the command mm, being... Yeah, could be anything. <laughs> without a command point being spent. So this isn't bad. I mean, you're going to probably take these units anyway. It's not like you're trying to stuff something in here other than the cannon. So I don't think it's bad. No, I think really the only reason you're taking it is if you feel that you're going to be short on command points to issue all attack or unleash. Otherwise, I think you're just better served going battle regiment. All right. Okay. I think we've expressed some of our opinions quite strongly, actually, about, <laughs> about yeah. this part so of the book. Don't be too discouraged about the Fusiliers. I think that unit is going to prove itself out as being very effective. It's going to put its head right on that chopping block for you know what is going to be addressed first. You know, the Pontifex being 150 points in combination also seems <laughs> a little silly. Yeah. There are other good units in this book, I promise. The Free Guild Cavaliers are excellent. Yes. The Steel Helms for what you get are pretty darn good. They're not offensive units, but they're not meant to be. That is a unit that you would really hope to kind of tar pit up an objective, right? Mm -hmm. They're Bravery 5, so you know that's maybe where you would take them in Hammerhall Gira, get them to Bravery 10. Not so bad. There are other ways to improve Bravery throughout the book. One of them's a spell. So on the human side, there's two real standout units. The heroes are incredible the synergies are excellent. The other things that we're going to talk about, the dwarves and the elves, feel a little bit more support elementy. Mm -hmm. You can build armies of that yourselves, but this is going to be the core of what you're going to see in most cities' armies. Okay. All good. So that's it for yeah. Cities of Sigmar this half. humans. <laughs> yeah. And we'll see the next part of it a couple weeks after you listen to this one. So, All right, Brendan, let us move on, my friend, to the back end of the show and Scriptorium. So new releases, we have a couple of things. One of them, I think, looks very interesting. So first is a Blackstone Fortress Omnibus. So if you're interested in that game and the lore that goes with it, sounds like that'd be nice reading. It is Tyranid Week, appropriately, and there are a whole bunch of those little tiny reads, the like short stories. There's like five or six of those that you can buy and look at. The book I'm interested in is called The Rose in Darkness. It is a Sister of Battles book, and it looks like the Sisters of Battle will be fighting Gene Stealer cults. There were a couple early on of Sisters of Battle books that I really, really enjoyed. I always love reading when the Imperium fights Gene Stealer cults. Those books typically turn out to be pretty interesting. So this may be something I give a listen to. I'll have to check and see, but called The Rose in Darkness. That's it for new stuff. How about you? All right. I finished Better Call Saul today. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about the how the show ended. Oh, okay. uh, I won't give any spoilers because I think the season ended this year. I, I don't know if I like it. I don't know if I dislike it. I'm not sure. But uh, I finished that. One of the podcasts I listen to for college football is a show called Split Zone Duo. Mm -hmm. And I recently subscribed to their Patreon. And I've been kind of hesitant to do that with most of the creators that that i listen to regularly theirs is five dollars a month on top of their free content and for what you're getting for five dollars a month is such a good deal if you're a college football fan and you're not listening to split zone duo give them a listen if you're already listening i can tell you personally their patreon is excellent value and then this next one's a bit of a content warning. Oh. Netflix had a documentary come out, and it is a genuine documentary where they 
talk about the investigation into the Boy Scouts of America and mm. all of the sexual abuse that was going on, how much the organization knew, when they knew it. That's so, so sad. I was crying. Yeah. You know, it's an organization that I was a part of. I'm an Eagle Scout. As am I, yeah. I didn't know that about you. Yeah. And, you know, Dan, the thing about it that I think will break, you know, even your heart, you know, watching it is you see these men of all ages. You know, there were scouts that were my age. Mm -hmm. There were scouts that were your age. Uh, Mm -hmm. This is something that is generations deep. It's a tough watch. Okay. Fair enough. That one was hard. I was mad as hell Mm -hmm. watching it. I'll bet. Especially when you have such a positive experience in something like that. And then you realize that there were people destroying it from the inside. It's tragic. Watched at your own peril. It was good, but... Gut-wrenching. Yeah. I've not reacted to something like that Mm. maybe ever. Hopefully you have something lighter. (laughs) I do. I do. A little bit, yeah. I'm continuing reading my book of poems from the BB-8s. Still a lot of fun. And... I'm telling you, man, the more I read this book about MacArthur, the angrier and angrier I get that this man actually has statues in places. We're at the point now where the Japanese are invading the Philippines, right? He's had five or six years to prepare for this. It's kind of spooky to watch when the Japanese landed in the Lingayen Gulf. There was lots of storms and they were having a really tough time unloading. It took them five days to unload 40,000 plus men, right? Five days. And MacArthur did literally did nothing, Brendan, to attack them when they were disorganized, when they could have. He did not move his armor up. And I'm thinking, well, doesn't that sound kind of familiar? Anybody remember what happened in Normandy when the Germans hesitated to move the troops in and they held back the armor and all those things? Look what happened there. He's so completely incompetent. The other thing was, again, how much he lies to everybody because the Japanese brought in like 40,000 troops to conquer the Philippines, right? MacArthur Mm -hmm. had over 70,000 Filipino and American troops. He outnumbered them almost two to one. So, and here's the thing that's crazy, was once they pulled MacArthur out of the Philippines and Wayne was putting in charge, he actually was sending accurate reports on the numbers of troops that he had and that the Japanese had. And the senior chiefs and the president and everybody in Washington were just shocked because MacArthur was saying, I am outnumbered, under-equipped. I just don't have the means to beat the Japanese. He constantly was sending these, you know, missives. And then all of a sudden this reality is hitting everybody in the face and you're going, what a scumbag. He left Wainwright with this thing. And then the thing that really just wanted me to, you know, smack him was Wainwright actually ended up as a prisoner of war. Here's MacArthur sitting in Australia. Because Wainwright didn't, you know, beat the Japanese, even though he was set up to fail by MacArthur, MacArthur actively agitated for him not to get the Medal of Honor for the work he had done and for his prisoner of war time. And he never got the Medal of Honor. And he served in a Japanese prison camp for years, right? It's just, it's a very difficult read from that way, but it's also very enlightening. And I think people should read it. I I think it's a a good perspective on this guy. And you know what really happened? Kind of the pull back the curtain, as you've talked about. That's my reading, uh, listening, um, continuing the hunt for Valdorius. Great 40K. It's just so 40K. Just in so yeah. many ways. Valdorius is this, I didn't realize till I'm listening more, he's an alpha legionnaire who became a demon prince. He was a, a space marine at one point. Very cool. And then finally, to no surprise to anyone, I am starting to watch The Expanse again. 
<laughs> okay. Which arguably, at least for me, is probably the best science fiction series that has been made. From the writing, the acting, the physics, and the, the effects, everything is just so well done. All right, man, that's it for me. Yeah. Moving on to more fun stuff. This or that. So what are we doing first? So I think I've been making you go the last Whatever you would like. Your choice, my friend. Yeah, so I'm going to go this time. Okay, awesome. We will start with things from the Battle Tome. Next episode, 130, Dwarden and Elves. Which of the two are you more excited to get into? The Dark Elves. You talked about them clearing the baffles a little bit on the human side with some of the artillery pieces and some other units, you know, that kind of disappeared. I'm interested to see what's cleared from this side with the dwarves and the elves, especially with the elves. I mean, we no longer have those like eternal warden guys. We don't have the Sisters of the Thorn. You know, we had those elvish kind of units that were sitting out on the periphery that have all been taken out now. And it's all dark elves, right? I think that'll be really interesting to see what they put together. And it looks like you could make an army out of it and still have some success. Which city that we've covered are you most excited by so far? I would say... Oh, no, that made me look at the book again, darn you. <laughs> I, I do have to look. Sorry, listeners. I gotta take a second here to dig to that page. It's right there. This is Dan the Cavalry guy. I think Excelsis because of what that could do for the Cavaliers. And my second strong one is Hallowheart because that would just be fun to have a bunch of wizards in your army. Everybody rolling 3d6. That'd be awesome. Cool. <laughs> All right. What are you looking forward to now that you've spent some time in Starfield? What are you most looking forward to finding on a planet? I think some kind of ancient like structure or something else that's unexplained. That would be my first okay. choice. It's just got this weird design or you have no idea where it's not human. And that would be really cool. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I really want to do once I get situated is I want to go back to Earth. Because Earth is kind of, it's not dead per se, but it's ruined. I'm kind of anxious to go back and look and see what's left. Like go to Washington, D.C. and, you know, the East Coast and see what kind of things are still there. What they think are still there. I think that would also be fascinating to see what the developers came up with. Yeah, what they imagine Earth would be like after something like that. You and I are doing some adventuring here in the upcoming time. What's yeah. been your favorite part of RVing so far? I think disconnecting, as it were. Okay. Just being able to, you know, hang out with my lovely wife. Just do what we want to do without worrying about what do we have to do today or what do we have to do tomorrow or reading the news or checking this thing out or that thing out. Just waking up, making a meal, sitting outside and relaxing or, hey, what do you want to do? Let's take a freaking hike. Coming back, back to know. a whole new world, basically. Yeah, it's just so nice to spend the time together and, and do it in a place that's just so free from a lot of the things that we have to deal with every day. Yeah. Okay. Sports question. Mm -hmm. NFL kicked off about two hours ago <laughs> at time of recording. No Who's idea. in the Super Bowl, Dan? What two teams? This is just totally random, man, because I don't follow the NFL much anymore. Uh, let's say the Titans, and we're going to say the Bucks. All right. Okay. That would be okay. a really crazy Super Bowl. <laughs> it Love would, it. wouldn't it? But it'd be fun. <laughs> Bonus question, who wins between the two? Oh, I'd say the Titans. 
If I okay. guess, yeah. That seems more reasonable. <laughs> I completely agree. That is okay. much more reasonable. Than right. Okay. That's my five. Oh, wow. Five and a half. Okay, yeah. cool. So my first one is, if you had to pick one half of Hammer Hall, which okay. half would you pick? The fiery side or the verdant side? Probably the verdant side. The bravery 10 on the steel helms is really mm. attractive to me, mm. especially when you pair it with getting them to be plus one model on objectives. You take a 200 point unit, a 20 brick of steel helms, and it counts as 40 on an objective. Mm. When you invest in a bunch of fusiliers after that, I would feel pretty good about my ability to score the objectives and also remove my opponents in a timely manner. Okay, so fusiliers or the mortis guard in their current state? <sighs> Fusiliers, I think, right? Immortus Guard are 220 points for the three of them right now. 440 for the six that you're taking. You can get a unit of 30 Fusiliers <laughs> for that point value. You're not going to pull a ton of, right? You know, the one for one, if you can get the Immortus Guard into the Fusiliers, they're done, right? Like sure. the Immortus oh, Guard sure. will mulch them. Yeah. But, you know, you're going to be taking shots, you know, over the course of 27 inches, you, know, you have the ability to move back and forward as much as the unit of Immortus Guard would. The other value of Immortus Guard is what they do for the heroes in the army. And, you know, that synergistic component of it can be really tough. But, man, you don't build an army of Immortus Guard. You build an army of Fusiliers. And I think that tells you where the power level is. Okay. So you talked about one of your favorite units being the Battle Mages, especially yep. from old world days, whatever it is. Oh, love them. Such a cool kit. If you had to pick between adding one to casting rules, to unbinding rules, or adding six inch range, which would it be? Give me some tough ones today. Yeah, with this handbook, with Primal Dice, I think you go with the increase in range. Okay. The reason for that is you would have enough heroes to reliably put, you know, three of your wizards into that Andorian Acolytes Battalion so that you're reliably yeah. sitting on primal dice. Sure. To throw at the casting attempt. I would say probably the bonus to range. Okay, fair. All right. In terms of the late game in college football this year. Okay. Who is gonna come out on top, Ohio State or Georgia? Having watched one game of each against yeah. inferior opponents, both <laughs> Georgia is still Georgia. Mm -hmm. Ohio State, I don't think, knows who they are mm. quite yet. Okay. I would take Georgia between the two. Okay. If you're going to go on an adventure and you're going to head out to, let's say, the Pacific Northwest or British Columbia, let's say, somewhere in there, sure. or you head to the east coast of Canada, like Nova Scotia or something like that, I'm going to give you a choice of three animals that you would like to see in the wild and you have to pick one of them that you can be guaranteed to see okay either large whales orcas or grizzlies i would love to see grizzly bear at a safe distance uh, obviously yeah yeah <laughs> I, we're assuming all that with any uh, of those creatures yeah grizzlies it is that's my five okay all right man let's move on there is something going on around here something you may not even know about Okay, Q&A at all? Any questions from... Yeah, one of the ones I got from Dustin of Pants Mafia was, and maybe it's a better question for episode two, but you know, at least at the halfway point, is would you recommend Cities of Sigmar to a newer player? And I'd probably say no. I think the order mechanic 
mm-hmm. is not very straightforward and very unforgiving. Because if you issue the wrong orders at the start of the battle round, you have to live with that for the battle round. And there's mm-hmm. no way to swap that out. There's no way to change that, right? You know, obviously, you can change it in the next battle round, but oftentimes mm-hmm. that might be too late if you've done something in particular. I really don't think armies that encourage spam there's like one real clear strong unit Mm. i don't think that really helps a new player learn how to play the game Mm because they're going to lean on the strong unit yes and it's especially less helpful if that strong unit is not a melee unit Uh, Mm. units that are shooting or their main primary form of damage is magic or impact hit or something else right Mm -hmm. where it's not conventional warhammer those armies, from my perspective, have a tendency to teach you the game at a slower pace okay. than a more conventional combat-oriented army where you have to understand your movements, understand how you charge, understand how you pile in, to really understand where your risk-reward is. You'll learn because you'll lose some units where, in a shooting castle, which and even when we talk about elves and Duarden, there are some other versions of shooting castles that we're going to get into This is more of a ranged army than a combat one, but those armies are less good at getting someone to understand the fundamentals of Warhammer. Okay. Do you have any, Dan? I don't. Not this time. Okay. All right. Episode 130 will be the second part of the Sage of Sigmar book, and we're going to cover elves and dwarden and whatever else there's left. We got strats and tactics and some more cities to talk about. Again, timing-wise, this one's going to be released middle of September, and then we've got to work out sometime in hopefully early October when we can roll the next episode out for people. Hopefully by then, I'm hoping we have our next uh, Dawnbringers book. Dawnbringers, a battle scroll to talk about. Yeah, anything. Yeah. yeah. That would be wonderful. That's it then. All good, man. Yeah. Thank you once again for coming along. Appreciate it as always. Thank you for taking the time to go through some things here that I know I didn't understand. I was so distracted by that one unit. It was like, I want to talk about that one. I don't care what the rest. Uh, I think a lot of people. All good stuff. And listeners, thank you as always for joining us. Thanks for coming back time and time again and putting up with our foolishness. We really, really appreciate you. And that being said, take care, stay safe, and don't forget shenanigans because life is better when you are up to something. Bye. This is...